0: Chapter 13, Part 3 of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter 13, Part 3. Consistency of the theory of gradual change with the existence of great breaks in the series. TO RETURN TO THE GENERAL ARGUMENT PURSUED IN THIS CHAPTER, IT IS ASSUMED FOR REASONS ABOVE EXPLAINED THAT A SLOW CHANGE OF SPECIES IS IN SIMULTANEOUS OPERATION EVERYWHERE, THROUGHOUT THE HABITABLE SURFACE OF SEA AND LAND, WHEREAS THE FOSSILIZATION OF PLANTS AND ANIMALS IS CONFINED TO THOSE AREAS WHERE NEW STRATA ARE PRODUCED these areas as we have seen are always shifting their position so that the fossilizing process by means of which the commemoration of the particular state of the organic world at any given time is effected may be said to move about visiting and revisiting different tracts in succession to make still more clear the supposed working of this machinery I shall compare it to a somewhat analogous case that might be imagined to occur in the history of human affairs let the mortality of the population of a large country represent the successive extinction of species and the births of new individuals the introduction of new species while these fluctuations are gradually taking place everywhere suppose commissioners to be appointed to visit each province of the country in succession taking an exact account of the number names and individual peculiarities of all the inhabitants and leaving in each district a register containing a record of this information if after the completion of one census another is immediately made on the same plan and then another there will at last be a series of statistical documents in each province. When those belonging to any one province are arranged in chronological order, the contents of such as stand next to each other will differ according to the length of the intervals of time between the taking of each census. If, for example, there are 60 provinces, and all the registers are made in a single year and renewed annually the number of births and deaths will be so small in proportion to the whole of the inhabitants during the interval between the compiling of the two consecutive documents that the individuals described in such documents will be nearly identical whereas if the survey of each of the sixty provinces occupies all the commissioners for a whole year so that they are unable to revisit the same place until the expiration of sixty years there will then be an almost entire discordance between the persons enumerated in two consecutive registers in the same province there are undoubtedly other causes besides the mere quantity of time which may augment or diminish the amount of discrepancy thus at some periods a pestilential disease may have lessened the average duration of human life or a variety of circumstances may have caused the births to be unusually numerous and the population to multiply or a province may be suddenly colonized by persons migrating from surrounding districts. These exceptions may be compared to the accelerated rate of fluctuation in the fauna and flora of a particular region in which the climate and physical geography may be undergoing an extraordinary degree of alteration, but I must remind the reader that the case above proposed has no pretensions to be regarded as an exact parallel to the geological phenomena which i desire to illustrate for the commissioners are supposed to visit the different provinces in rotation whereas the commemorating process by which organic remains become fossilized although they are always shifting from one area to the other are yet very irregular in their movements they may abandon and revisit many spaces again and again before they once approach another district. And besides this source of irregularity, it may often happen that while the depositing process is suspended, denudation may take place, which may be compared to the occasional destruction by fire or other causes of some of the statistical documents before mentioned. It is evident that where such accidents occur, the want of continuity in the series may become indefinitely great and that the monuments which follow next in succession will by no means be equidistant from each other in point of time if this train of reasoning be admitted the occasional distinctness of the fossil remains in formations immediately in contact would be a necessary consequence of the existing laws of sedimentary deposition and subterranean movement accompanied by a constant mortality and renovation of species. As all the conclusions above insisted on, are directly opposed to opinions still popular. I shall add another comparison, in the hope of preventing any possible misapprehension of the argument. Suppose we had discovered two buried cities at the foot of Vesuvius, immediately superimposed upon each other with a great mass of tough, and lava intervening just as portiche and rosina if now covered with ashes would overlie herculaneum an antiquary might possibly be entitled to infer from the inscriptions on public edifices that the inhabitants of the inferior and older city were greeks and those of the modern towns italians but he would reason very hastily if he also concluded from these data that there had been a sudden change from the greek to the italian language in campania but if he afterwards found three buried cities one after the other the intermediate one being roman while as in the former example the lowest was greek and the uppermost italian he would then perceive the fallacy of his former opinion and would begin to suspect that the catastrophes by which the cities were inhumed might have no relation whatever to the fluctuations in the language of the inhabitants, and that as the Roman tongue had evidently intervened between the Greek and Italian, so many other dialects may have been spoken in succession, and the passage from the Greek to the Italian may have been very gradual, some terms growing obsolete while others were introduced from time to time. If this antiquary could have shown that the volcanic paroxysms of Vesuvius were so governed, as that cities should be buried one above the other, just as often as any variation occurred in the language of the inhabitants, then indeed the abrupt passage from a Greek to a Roman and from a Roman to an Italian city would afford proof of fluctuations no less sudden in the language of the people. So in Geology we could assume that it is part of the plan of nature to preserve in every region of the globe an unbroken series of monuments to commemorate the vicissitudes of the organic creation we might infer the sudden extirpation of species and the simultaneous introduction of others as often as two formations in contact are found to include dissimilar organic fossils But we must shut our eyes to the whole economy of the existing causes, aqueous, igneous, and organic, if we fail to perceive that such is not the plan of nature. Concluding remarks on the identity of the ancient and present system of terrestrial changes. I shall now conclude the discussion of a question with which we have been occupied since the beginning of the fifth chapter namely, whether there has been any interruption from the remotest periods of one uniform system of change in the animate and inanimate world. We were induced to enter into that inquiry by reflecting how much the progress of opinion in geology had been influenced by the assumption that the analogy was slight in kind and still more slight in degree between the causes which produced the former revolutions of the globe and those now in everyday operation it appeared clear that the earlier geologists had not only a scanty acquaintance with existing changes but were singularly unconscious of the amount of their ignorance with the presumption naturally inspired by this unconsciousness They had no hesitation in deciding at once that time could never enable the existing powers of nature to work out changes of great magnitude, still less such important revolutions as those which are brought to light by geology. They therefore felt themselves at liberty to indulge their imaginations in guessing at what might be, rather than inquiring what is. In other words, They employed themselves in conjecturing what might have been the course of nature at a remote period, rather than investigating of what was the course of nature in their own times. It appeared to them more philosophical to speculate on the possibilities of the past than patiently to explore the realities of the present and having invented theories under the influence of such maxims they were consistently unwilling to test their validity by the criterion of their accordance with the ordinary operations of nature on the contrary the claims of each new hypothesis to credibility appeared enhanced by the great contrast in kind or intensity of the causes referred to and those now in operation never was there a dogma more calculated to foster indolence and to blunt the keen edge of curiosity than this assumption of the discordance between the ancient and existing causes of change it produced a state of mind unfavorable in the highest degree TO THE CANDID RECEPTION OF THE EVIDENCE OF THOSE MINUTE BUT INCESSANT ALTERATIONS WHICH EVERY PART OF THE EARTH'S SURFACE IS UNDERGOING, AND BY WHICH THE CONDITION OF ITS LIVING INHABITANTS IS CONTINUALLY MADE TO VARY. THE STUDENT, INSTEAD OF BEING ENCOURAGED WITH THE HOPE OF INTERPRETING THE ENIGMAS PRESENTED TO HIM IN THE EARTH'S STRUCTURE, INSTEAD OF BEING PROMPTED TO UNDERTAKE LABORIOUS INQUIRIES, into the natural history of the organic world, and the complicated effects of the igneous and aqueous causes now in operation, was taught to despond from the first. Geology, it was affirmed, could never rise to the rank of an exact science. The greater number of phenomena must forever remain inexplicable, or only be partially elucidated by ingenious conjectures. Even the mystery which invested the subject was said to constitute one of its principal charms affording as it did full scope to the fancy to indulge in a boundless field of speculation the course directly opposed to this method of philosophizing consists in an earnest and patient inquiry how far geological appearances are reconcilable with the effect of changes now in progress or which may be in progress in regions inaccessible to us and of which the reality is attested by volcanoes and subterranean movements it also endeavors to estimate the aggregate result of ordinary operations multiplied by time and cherishes a sanguine hope that the resources to be derived from observation and experiment or from the study of nature such as she now is are very far from being exhausted for this reason All theories are rejected which involve the assumption of sudden and violent catastrophes, and revolutions of the whole earth and its inhabitants, theories which are restrained by no reference to existing analogies, and in which a desire is manifested to cut, rather than patiently to untie, the Gordian knot we have now at least the advantage of knowing from experience that an opposite method had always put geologists on the road that leads to truth suggesting views which although imperfect at first have been found capable of improvement until at last adopted by universal consent while the method of speculating on a former distinct state of things and causes has led invariably to a multitude of contradictory systems which have been overthrown one after the other have been found incapable of modification and which have often required to be precisely reversed the remainder of this work will be devoted to an investigation of the changes now going on in the crust of the earth and its inhabitants the importance which the student will attach to such researches will mainly depend in the degree of confidence which he feels in the principles above expounded if he firmly believes in the resemblance or identity of the ancient and present system of terrestrial changes he will regard every fact collected respecting the cause in diurnal action as affording him a key to the interpretation of some mystery in the past events which have occurred at the most distant periods in the animate and inanimate world will be acknowledged to throw light on each other and the deficiency of our information, respecting some of the most obscure parts of the present creation, will be removed. For as by studying the external configuration of the existing land and its inhabitants, we may restore in imagination the appearance of the ancient continents which have passed away, so we may obtain from the deposits of ancient seas and lakes an insight into the nature of the subaqueous processes, now in operation, and of many forms of organic life, which though now existing, are veiled from sight. Rocks are produced by subterranean fire in former ages, at great depths in the bowels of the earth. Present us, when upraised by gradual movements and exposed to the light of heaven, with an image of those changes which the deep-seated volcano may now occasion in the nether regions thus also we are mere sojourners on the surface of the planet chained to a mere point in space enduring but for a moment of time the human mind is not only enabled to number worlds beyond the unassisted ken of mortal eye but to trace the events of indefinite ages before the creation of our race and is not even withheld from penetrating into the dark secrets of the ocean or the interior of the solid globe free like the spirit which the poet described as animating the universe Ire per amnis teresque, tractusque, maris QUI profundum. End of Chapter Thirteen.